Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming. It's good to see everyone here. We give you a very warm welcome. You know, there's a lot of people today that question the authority, the inspiration, and the relevancy of the Word of God. And as most of you would know, I'm involved in a street ministry, and I speak to a lot of people out in the city streets, and one of the most frequent questions that we get is, is the Bible really relevant? Is it really the Word of God? It was written by men so many, many years ago, and it's outdated. So my topic today is going to be the inspiration and the authority of the Holy Bible. Holy means set apart, and Bible simply means book. And so this book is set apart from all other books, the Holy Bible. So my question today is, is the Bible really the Word of God? Well, first of all, let's turn to the Scriptures and let the Bible speak for itself. I want to read a number of readings, first of all in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3. And Moses went up unto God. Moses is in a mountain, Mount Sinai. Moses went up unto God. And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say unto the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. If you have your Bible, look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. And God, God, spake all these words, saying, Who spoke? And God, God himself, spake all these words, saying, and so on. Turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 15. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 15 says, that from a child, Paul says to Timothy, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now notice verse 16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That word inspiration means God breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. Incidentally, on a side note, 
If you were to look into what happened in the book of Ezekiel, God breathed on the valley of the dead bones and men that were dead came to life. These words are God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable or useful for teaching, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished or equipped for every good work. So my point in this verse is that the very source of all scripture comes from God, just as we've seen in Exodus chapter 19. Now turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. You know, a lot of people will say, well, didn't men write the Bible? Yes, that is absolutely true. Men wrote the Bible. Oh, so then it didn't come from God? Look at 2 Peter 1 and verse 21. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What type of men? Holy men of God. Spake as they were moved. And that word moved is they were carried along. They were actually instructed by the Spirit of God to write the words that God told them to write. And it wasn't what they willfully wanted to write on Scripture. It was what God directed them to write. So while men wrote the Bible, they were controlled and carried and instructed by the Holy Spirit of God to write the Scripture. So from the first verse, we learn that the source of the Bible is from God, and we know from this verse that it is totally inspired. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to read at verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and to the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. From this verse, we can learn that the word of God is living. It is powerful, and it convicts. It, it touches our conscience, and it judges our thoughts, and it discerns where we are in our life before God. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're studying here in our Tuesday night Bible study. John chapter 6 and verse 63. A powerful little verse. Jesus said, It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
the words. The very words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life. The words that I speak unto you are life. The words of this book are living. Now one last reading in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35. It says, Heaven and earth, the stars, the galaxies of the universe, and the planet that you live on will pass away. But my words shall not pass away. Hebrews 1 says that creation will be folded up like a garment and completely changed, but the word of God will never be altered. It will never change and it will never pass away. So my question this morning is, is the Bible the word of God? I submit to you today for your consideration that this book that we hold in our hands is the unique words of the living God. I submit to you that it is the universal truth for all mankind in every age, in every culture, in every nationality. It is the universal truth for all mankind. I submit to you today that this book that we hold in our hands is not only relevant for 2015, it is the ultimate authority. There is no law, no government, no church, no elder, no minister in any place on earth that has a higher authority, that can usurp its authority or override the truth of the Word of God. Another question that we get so often, mostly from Islam, is they say the Bible has changed. It has been altered, so it is no longer trustworthy, and it cannot be from the original text. I'm going to show today from history that the Word of God has been unaltered. The text that has been unaltered through the ages of time. And when I wrap up my little message, we're going to share the gospel. Because the unconditional offer of life is available to everyone in this world that will believe God's word. Here is an unconditional offer of life, eternal life, that if you believe God's word, you will have everlasting life. Let's go to the next slide. You know, the Bible is permanent. There's a lot of people that will say, well, you know, it's so 
irrelevant. We are in this postmodern age, and we understand science, and we understand evolution, and I was in this great discussion with this guy on Friday night, and we were fully engaged, and uh, he said, okay, just, just tell me one thing. He said, you, you don't believe in like the Genesis 1 account of creation, do you? I said, absolutely, I do. Oh, I can't even talk to you. This is what he said. He said, like, if you don't believe evolution, you got nothing, man. Okay, wait a minute. If I don't believe evolution, I got nothing? What's easier to believe? That everything came from nothing, for nothing, arrived here by accident, and has no purpose and no design. Or everything came from a God who is the creator, controller, sustainer, redeemer of all mankind and created man in his own image for a purpose. It's so much easier to logically and reasonably believe that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible is permanent. It's not going away. You know, there have been so many people that have tried to destroy it, and I love the words of this little chorus that I sang as a, a child in Sunday school, seven, eight, nine years old, I remember singing this chorus. The Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with the truth eternal, and they glow with the light sublime. The Bible stands like a mountain towering far above the works of men. Its truth by none ever was refuted and destroy it, none ever can. So how do we know the Bible is true? Let's go to the next slide. How do we really know this book that we hold in our hand is the Word of God? Well, first of all, the Bible claims that it was written by God. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know that there are over 3,000 times in the Bible that this phrase is used? Thus saith the Lord. 3,000 times. And people say that men wrote this? Men physically wrote it down, but these are the words of God. If you were to go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9, you would see this amazing verse. And this is an example of what the prophets wrote. Jeremiah 1 and verse 9 says that God touched the mouth of Jeremiah and put his very words in Jeremiah's mouth and told him, to write these things down. Jeremiah 1 verse 9. That is an amazing verse that shows that the words that the prophets of old wrote were the very words of God. Secondly, there is not only internal evidence that the Bible is the word of God, there is tremendous overwhelming external evidence that the Bible is the word of God. I submit to you for your thinking that there is historical ever evidence overwhelming 
that this is the word of God. Do you know that in all of history, it has never been proven that there is a single historical mistake in the word of God. The word of God was written over 1,500 years, beginning in 1540 B.C., when Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights in a mountain with God. And God revealed to him directly truth from God that he wrote in the books. From 1540 B.C. right through to A.D. 90, over 1,500 years, 40 different authors on multiple different continents that never knew each other, from tremendously different walks of life, all had the same message. With perfect unity and without contradiction. Try doing that today. Writing a book over 1,500 years on different continents with 40 different authors that never communicated and have the same message. Absolutely impossible. Thirdly, archaeology. There is tremendous support from archaeology that the Bible is absolute truth and has never changed. Do you know why? In over 25,000 archaeology finds and all the digs that they have done all down through the years, they have never discovered anything that was wrong or in error that was written in the Word of God. In fact, for many years, they thought that civilizations that only the Bible spoke about never existed. And in their archaeology finds, year after year after year, they actually discovered that Abraham did come from Ur of the Chaldees, that these things actually happened, that the historical civilizations that were written in the Word of God were actually confirmed by archaeology. And on the flip side, there has never been anything discovered through archaeology that would refute one word written in the Word of God, the Bible. Probably the most overwhelming evidence that the Bible is the holy inspired Word of God is the fact of fulfilled prophecies. You know, people will say to me on the street, Apart from the Bible, can you prove to me that there's a God? Well, first of all, we don't lay aside the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God, and we stand on it. But one word is an answer, Israel. You take the nation of Israel, the amazing history of that unique nation, the purpose of that nation, and what that nation has gone through 100% prophesied and supported by the word of God. Israel coming together as a nation. Israel experiencing all that they have in their history, all recorded as prophecy that's fulfilled in the word of God. There are hundreds, and I mean literally hundreds, of specific prophecies that have been fulfilled already in the word of God. When the Old Testament was written, approximately 25% of its content was yet future. 
and there has nothing that has been prophesied that has come to pass that refutes anything that was written in Old Testament prophecy. But on the contrary, very specifics have come true supporting the truth, the validity of the word of God. Think about how Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Think about how he was to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Think about how he was prophesied to be crucified and his hands nailed, pierced through Psalm 22 when crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. All the fulfillments of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the suffering, rejection, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ have come to pass. I submit to you for your thinking that the Bible is different than any other religious book. The Quran, the Book of Mormon, the book that the Hindus read. There are no specific prophecies through years after years after years that were prophesied that have come to pass. Everything is in generalities. And there are as many things written in the Quran that we know are absolutely in error. There is nothing written in the word of God that is in error. The fifth reason that I submit to you is that no other book, no other book has had such a profound effect on the lives of men as the Holy Bible. The testimony of men that have read this book and their lives have been changed, changed forever by reading this book, is evidence to the fact that this is the holy inspired word of God. You know that in a bygone day, there were men and women that gave their lives at the stake for the word of God. There were men and women who would not deny the truth of Scripture and were tortured and killed rather than deny the truth of this book. There were dictators that tried to stamp it out. This book has been burnt. This book has been destroyed by many people that were absolutely set on stamping it out. They bent their life on destroying the word of God. The overwhelming testimony of the truth of Scripture is it is alive. It cannot die. And it changes people's lives. Do you know that today the Bible remains the number one bestseller of all time? Do you know that there are Bible has been translated into 1,270 languages and dialects. The Bible has 3.9 billion copies published in the last 50 years alone. There is no other book that has ever been written in the entire world that even comes close to this. You know, there's an amazing statement about the Bible that's written in the flyleaf of every Gideon New Testament. And if you have one, you should look it up. I want to read it to you because I think it's profound. 
It's a summary of what the Bible is. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains the light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. The Bible is a traveler's map. It's the pilgrim's staff. It's the pilot's compass. It's the soldier's sword. It's the Christian's charter. Here too heaven is opened and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design. And the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life. It will be opened at the judgment day. It will be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards, and the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Let's go to the next slide. So has the Bible been altered? You know, there is tremendous evidence that shows us clearly that the Bible has not been altered. People will contend, well, there are so many versions of the Bible. How do I know which version to read? People will say, well, it's been written and written and rewritten and rewritten. Surely it has changed. I did a little bit of research on this, and I thought it was quite interesting. You know, up until prior to 1947, the oldest manuscripts that we had in the Old Testament dated back to 1000 AD. And for many years, there were people that wondered, well, what happened before that, when they had no copy machines? And people that wrote it out, how do we know for sure that they didn't change it? Well, in 1947, there was an amazing discovery at the Dead Sea Scrolls in Qumran. I'm sure a number of us have actually been there. I've been there. There are caves there that you could see when in 1947, a shepherd boy threw a stone into a cave and heard a pop and crawled inside to see a broken scroll, a jar that was shattered, and inside of it was multiple scrolls of the Word of God. Dating back a thousand years prior to the oldest manuscript that we ever had. A thousand years. And for 1,000 years, the Bible was written and copied over and over and over again. And yet when scholars examined those scrolls, they could prove conclusively that there has been no altering and no changing in the Word of God over a thousand years. 
overwhelming evidence to support that the Bible has not been altered. It is unaltered as the holy inspired word of God. Let's go to the next slide. You know, there's a lot of scoffers in our day. There's a lot of people that we will meet on the streets of Halifax, particularly university students, and they say, well, you know, you, you believe the Bible? I believe science. I, I believe science. Yeah, well, I believe science too. And true science and the Bible are actually 100% in support, in unity. Scientific theory is not true science. So there's many scoffers that will say today, you can't trust the word of God. You know, you're from the dark ages. This is 2015. You read this book? Are you crazy? You know what they do? They take tracks and they scoff and they throw it down and they laugh and they mock and they call out to God in blasphemy. Folks, this is the world in which we live. But I'm going to tell you something. The word of God will not be mocked. The word of God will stand true. And there is a very solemn passage that I could take you to in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 where it says that I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Great men, famous people, idols, entertainers of the world, small, insignificant people, kings, wealthy, poor, every nationality, in the day of judgment will stand before God. And you know what it says in that passage? It says that the books will be opened. And I believe that one book that will be opened on the day of judgment is the book that you hold in your hand. And the dead will be judged out of the things that are written in this book. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, the words that I speak unto you, they shall judge men in the last day. And so I fear and tremble when I see young people walk down the streets of our city and scoff God and mock God and laugh and joke about the holy, inspired truth of the word of God because one day they will stand before God. The books will be opened and men will fall down and their mouth will be shut and they will bow their knees and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Folks, I submit to you today that the book that you hold in your hands is the living, inspired words of Almighty God. You do well. You are wise to read it, listen to it, follow it, because it is the ultimate authority. It is the basis for all our teaching. It is the basis for who we are, where we came from, where we're going, and what our future is all about. 
And I submit to you today that this is the very foundation of our salvation. You know, you know what I can say to you with absolute confidence? I am so glad, so glad, that my salvation doesn't rest upon a baptism, a confirmation, being submitted into a church, or being indoctrinated by some man. My salvation, my eternity, everything that I have to meet God with stands on the foundation of the word of God because it is trustworthy. It is true. It does not change and it will never be altered. You could read in Hebrews chapter six about God's promises that he gave to Abraham. Do you know what it says there? It says in Hebrews 6 that when God could not swear by anyone greater, he swore by himself, God. Immutable things. He says it is impossible for God to lie. The book that you hold in your hand are the very words of the living God. Titus chapter 1 says, God who promised eternal life before the world began is the book that you hold in your hands. You know what I'm gonna say to you? If you were gonna die today, and I hope that it never happens to anybody today, but if, if any one of us are gonna die today, the only thing that you have to meet God with is the foundation of the word of God. It's not what man says, it's not what religion says, it's not what some kind of emotional experience or anything else in your life that you go back to, you go back to the word of God. And so as I close today, I want to share with you, on that foundation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is built on the foundation of the word of God. The word of God that are the very unique words of the living God. The word of God that is universal truth for all mankind. The word of God that has ultimate authority. The word of God that has never been altered or changed, the word of God has an unconditional offer of life for everyone who will believe it. And here's the offer. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, I am so glad that that came from God. I am so glad that that is an eternal promise from a holy, righteous God who cannot lie. And I submit to you today, based on everything that we have said this morning, this is a trustworthy saying. This is worthy of your trust, because it is the words of the very living God, and it is relevant that Christ Jesus, God's holy, sinless Son, came into this world and died upon the cross for sinners. When Christ Jesus came into the world, it was the fulfillment Going back to the very beginning of our Bible in Genesis chapter 3, when the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head, 
Isaiah 9, he was to be born of a virgin. He was to be born in Bethlehem. He was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And upon the authority of the word of God today, we can tell everyone in this world that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, there's a lot of us that don't like to think about our sin. We don't like to think about our background. I spoke to a young man on Friday night. said he felt guilt every day of his life. And he said he just thought it was part of the human experience. I said, man, his name was Ryan. I said, Ryan, that guilt can be gone. He said, how? How? I said, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Here's the good news, folks. You're a sinner, and I am too. And we are no different. We have all fallen short of God's glory. But while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus came to rescue us. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He took our place, and he took our sin, and he went to a cross, and he allowed men to nail him to that cross. And while he was hanging on that cross, you can read it in Luke 22, the entire world was covered in darkness, and a holy, righteous God took the sin of the world and he laid it on his son. And Jesus died for guilty sinners. Jesus came to save guilty sinners. The good news is, you're one of them. And so am I. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is a faithful saying. It's trustworthy. It's worthy of your acceptance that he died for you. And if you would believe it, what? That's it? No, you don't have to sign a card. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to go through it. Believe it. Believe it plus nothing. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The only question is, are you a sinner? Well, the Bible says you are. And when you take your place as a guilty sinner and believe that Jesus died for me, then you have eternal life upon the authority of the word of God. It can't get any simpler than that. This book that we hold in our hand is the word of God. John 5 and 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth him that sent me has everlasting life and will not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. So my question for every one of you tonight is this, today. Is the Bible true? It's absolutely true. Did Jesus die for sinners? He certainly did. Did he rise again? Yes, he rose from the dead. Romans chapter 4 says that he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Therefore, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, upon the authority of God's word, 
you have everlasting life. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life and that you may continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. I hope that every one of us today go away with the joy and happiness of knowing that I'm saved by the grace of God and on the authority of God's word, I have everlasting life. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this time that we've come together to read the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we hold in our hand the holy, inspired truth of the living God. And we thank you that we can build our life on it. We thank you that we have the certainty of knowing that we have eternal life by believing this book. We thank you, Lord, that you gave an unconditional offer of life to everyone who believes your word. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us today to have faith, to walk with you, to love you, to serve you. And as we leave this place, that would be filled with joy and happiness, knowing that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that by believing on him, we have everlasting life. Part us with your blessing and bless us throughout the remainder of the day. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.